and welcome to this week's edition of The Mountain Gardener. Your host, Ken Lane, here every week talking about the landscapes of northern Arizona. So the Central Highlands, well, well Flagstaff, the White Mountains, Williams, you folks have been in autumn. I mean, that, that mountain up there in Flagstaff is, the Aspens are spectacular. Oh my gosh. Beautiful is what the northern Arizona is kind of, kind of famous for. Now, the Central Highlands, this next elevation down, that 4,500 to 6,000 foot level. It's our turn. We're starting to see some spectacular color. And a lot of them are, the trees get all the glory. I mean, let's face it, the aspens and the, the maples. This is when we sell and plant most of the maples and ash throughout the year because they're so pretty. People come in and go, I want one of those. I don't know what it is, but I want one. It's beautiful. <laughs> My neighborhood's uh, filled with them. And so the shrubs, they kind of take it in the chin. They don't get, they're not quite as big. They're not, they're as showy, sometimes showier than actual trees, but they're smaller. And so they don't get as much play. The sumacs have been in color for over, for a month or more. They're now starting to lose their leaves. The next windstorm, they're going to, they're going to be naked. They are deciduous. That is, they lose their leaves in winter. <laughs> Excuse me. So, so they're gonna they're gonna go dormant. So they've been in color. They're always the first ones. The sumacs are a native. They're very wild. You'll see them out while you're hiking around the Bradshaws, Mingus, just the forest. And so they're 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 pretty. Another one that I, I, is similar. It's just starting to go into color. Barberry. It's such a hardy little plant. Full sun. Just surround it with rock kick dirt at it, just curse at it. And it's just happy growing out there. Now, barberries, it, they do have a slight thorn to them. Maybe it's quarter inch, no less than that. They're, they're, they're pretty without their foliage because they've got such an interesting structure, but their, their, their growing color is typically going to be purple, chartreuse, sometimes green, but really oranges, they bright yellows. They're beautiful with their foliage. And then they transition and they sometimes get, they'll turn this orangey color. They're quite striking throughout the year. It's from a designer of, of with plants. They are a go-to. I need a spot of color here by the patio. Barberry, that's the one. But they're, they're good in, in the fall of the year. Boston ivy. Now, Boston ivy is, is a direct relative. It's a cousin of Virginia creeper, which is the wild one. If you see a vine out there growing out in the forest, that's Virginia creeper. It's got five leaves to it. Um, so it's, it's, it's turning red. It's beautiful. But Boston ivy is related to this equally as hardy. They'll typically climb up walls. They're self-clinging. So you don't need a trellis. Or they'll climb up fences, block walls. But they are striking uh, this time of year. They're just bright, bright red with a tinge with a smattering of, of orange. <laughs> really pretty. So the vines are, are turning. Another one that's like that is trumpet vine. Now, trumpet vine has had this beautiful red flower for three months. Hummingbirds love it. And so they've been in bloom. Now they're starting to, they're losing their blooms. There might be a few if you look hard enough. There might be some blooms, but basically it's going dormant and it's fall colors, much like an aspen. So it's this big, aggressive vine that we grew up trellises up over pergolas, up hillsides to hold the whole thing into place so it doesn't erode away. That's Virginia creeper, that's Boston ivy, and that's trumpet vine. 
Trumpet vine's turning yellow right now, gold. So if you see a big shrub, you can almost tell what it is just by the color. So red's going to be Virginia creeper, orange is going to be Boston ivy, and yellow's going to be trumpet vine. There you go. You're now an expert on fall-colored vines. They're pretty, and all are equally hardy. They're very robust. Of course, the most famous, all you Midwest folks, you're going to love this. This is your plant, but it also grows really well here because it takes our cold winters. It's burning bush. Burning bush is just starting. The top edge is turning purpley red. And then another week, maybe less, maybe now, depending on what elevation, what sun you're at, sun exposure, uh, you, you'll see it in full glorious burning red. Like, like Moses goes up the mountain and sees tablets with a burning bush. That's it. It's that kind of red. It's beautiful. Now, burning bush is very hardy. It takes our cold, takes our, it does need to be in a drip system. So you'll want to water it eh, once a week uh, through the heat of the summer, but it's just a handsome, pretty shrub. It's nice green throughout the year. And then it turns this bright red. Hit a lot of florists use burning bush for the stems. Even without their, they've got this cork-like uh, bark structure. This makes it very interesting. They look really good in, in in floral displays, it just just a just a vase of of nothing but burning bush stems, maybe a little bit of ivy or something, and some orchids. It would be stunning. It's just beautiful. But out in the yard, naturally goes about six foot high. I don't just let it go. A lot of folks will keep them down uh, down in that chest to, to hip high or so. But it naturally wants to be a bigger shrub, kind of like lilac size or forsythia. It's a forsythia size, same kind of plant. One of my favorites. I love Nandina or heavenly bamboo. Now it's, it's, here's the secret. Now heavenly bamboo is an evergreen shrub, real lacy. It looks like bamboo, but it's not, it doesn't get as, it's not as mischievous. It doesn't run and creep and, and it's not invasive. It stays in its, its, its zone and doesn't outgrow it. Great little plant. Animals don't eat it. So it's got a sap to it that just the javelina and the deer and the rabbits, they don't like the taste of Nandina or heavenly bamboo. Comes in three different sizes. So head high, hip high, and, and ankle high. So spreading, kind of a shrub, and more of a tall screening thing. Uh, that Your grandparents grew domestica, which is the big one. It gets too big for a lot of places. So we've, we've bred some smaller ones, some dwarves. But depending on how much sun that particular plant gets, the, the more sun it receives, the brighter it is in winter. And so it can turn this fierce red. I mean, just bright, bright. Actually, there's a couple of colors. There's red, orange, and purple, purple or plum passion Nandina. It's a new variety that we're bringing out just for the fall and winter color. It will hold its foliage, hold that color right through winter. And then next spring, it will start turning. It will bloom, has white flowers, puts on red berries, but then it will turn back to a green color. So it's just got this, I think every yard should need, we need at least one or two or five Nandinas in the yard. I grow mine in containers out by the hot tub. I want something huge patio. I need something. Mrs. Flowers just aren't big enough. So I put in a, a uh, which one is that? Gulfstream Nandina. It's a, it's a hip high one. And I just put that in a big old pot. It's been there for years. It winters over for me just fine. And it's striking. It's a good, good autumn plant. This is, this is a time when you really want to plant those things. So this is your time when you introduce fall color. There's more selection now at the garden centers and there's, there's more sizes and you can actually see what they're starting to look like 
as they go into their, their fall color. Spireas. Spirea. Oh, it's an old-fashioned plant. I'm trying to reintroduce this plant. Spireas are, are very robust. They love our, our high-altitude gardens. Uh, they're smaller, so maybe knee-high or lower. They get bright pink to white flowers in spring, but their fall color is gold with a tinge of orange. I like spirea because there are so many animals. Uh, antelope, uh, uh, elk, deer, and they just, things don't eat spirea. Rabbits, if you're out there in those plains where rabbits are, they don't eat spirea. So you need a cute little plant that's has great fall color, but great spring flowers and just handsome, easy, balanced, mounding kind of plant. Spirea. It's it's famous now for the fall color, but it's famous in the spring for spring flowers. It's famous in the in the summer for its cuteness. It's a good plant for your anyway. Silverberry is one of mine. I now silverberry is I have a lot of silverberry because it's a native. It's low water. Get it up to size. Cut it off of all care. Takes care of itself. Silverberry or Ellie Agnes. If you think the name Ellie, and then Agnes. Ellie Agnes is the name. That's the native one. Now out in the wild, it's blue with a green green top growth of the blue underside. It's kind of a can get a little wild looking. But we've bred one that's called uh, uh, oh God. What's the name of that thing? I forget. It's a it's a gold one. So uh, uh, um, God. Why did my brain just have a hiccup? Anyway, there's a gold variety of evergreen. Looks really good with chocolate-colored rock up against fences. It grows up well above head height, head width. I think it's a much hardier plant than red tipotinia from the others. And great fall color. It's great, great color no matter what because it's evergreen. And it keeps going. So I could keep going. That was this weekend's article. Take a look at those or go to watersgardencenter.com. Download the list for yourself. Be right back after this. <laughs> 